Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. So we're, we're starting a new series called All In. Are you all in? And really, uh, the term all in means when a person commits all their available resources and effort toward a goal or toward an outcome. Uh, This particular term became very popular in the early 2000s with the poker game Texas Hold'em. I don't know if you guys used to watch that. And they go all in. I mean, I, I, was, I was hooked on it for a while, man. I just love watching these guys, you know, and they'd go all in, you know, all the chips in and risk it all. And it would be amazing uh, what would happen, the outcome. And I begin to think about that because uh, when we think about our relationships, when we think about life, and you can be all in in a lot of things. You can be all in in your business. Uh, you can be all in in sports. You can be all in, again, in a personal relationship. Uh, it signifies that you're willing to risk it all uh, because you're making a decision that, you know what, I'm all in for whatever the cause is. And when I think about the gospel, the word gospel means good news. And it doesn't cost us anything. How many know Jesus paid the price? But it demands everything. It demands that we are all in. And the term simply means, God, I'm going all in. I'm going to put my life in your hands, and I'm all in for your cause. And when I think about that, when we're all in for God's cause, when we're all in to say, God, we'll do whatever you call me to do, we have to be very careful that we don't allow ourselves to get stuck in a rut. And we'll miss what God has for our life. See, what often happens in life is we're afraid that we're going to miss out on things. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to miss out on what God has to offer if you go for the other things, right? And so let me read you a scripture, and then I'm going to pray. It's not on the screen there, but Jesus said it this way. The thief comes, uh, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In other words, he said, I've come for you to live a full life. So let's pray as we get into this message today. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for grace. We thank you, Lord, today that you're good. And Lord, we know today that Jesus was all in and paying the price for our salvation. And Lord, in return, we need to be all in in doing your will and fulfilling the purpose that you have for our lives because, God, you have so much ahead for us. And so, God, I want to live a life that has purpose. I want to be all in. God, I know if I don't hold out on you, you won't hold out on me. I pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit that I declare your word today and let the people hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. So if I were to ask you that question today, are you all in for what God has for you? I wonder what our answer would be. Because when I ask this question today, I want to tell you what I believe the definition of being all in for God. And I have to think of this scripture, and it'll be on the screen, Acts chapter 13, verse 36, talking about King David. And this is what it said. It said, David served God's purpose in his generation. 
I don't know a better tribute that we can give to others, and I don't know a greater tribute that can be said about your life that you live God's purpose for your generation, or in other words, you serve God's purpose in this generation. You fulfilled it. You didn't live your life for yourself. <clears throat> Excuse me. You didn't live your life selfishly. You didn't live your life the way you wanted, any way you wanted to live it. You, left, you lived your life in a responsible way to serve God's purpose. The Bible says David served God's purpose in his generation. So David was all in in living God's purpose for his life. And so the question is, do you know the meaning of life? Do you know what the meaning is? You ever thought about that? What's the meaning of life? Because when you don't know the meaning of life, it causes all kinds of problems. Most people don't know the purpose of their life. That's why they're not all in. They don't know what the purpose is, what God is calling you to do. And so what happens when you don't know the purpose of life, you end up drifting from one thing to another. And some of us know what that's like. We're drifting from this thing to that. And you'll find out that you can't control life. In fact, life ends up controlling you. Because you're drifting in different places, and yet the Bible tells us some great things about the purpose of life, and it's written in the book of Ecclesiastic by a wise guy by the name of King Solomon. Bible says he was the wisest man that ever lived, and yet he began to have questions about life. Somehow Solomon lost his purpose, and he began to look at life in an unspiritual way. He began to look at life from his own perspective. Let me just tell you, the way you think can really cause a lot of confusion in your life. Don't even trust the way you think because your, per your perspective can be false. Because many times the way we look at life is based on the here and now. It's based on the natural. It's based on what you think and what you see. And believe it or not, you have a lot of biases already. Because the way you grew up, because trauma in your life, because of different things that have happened. And you'll begin to look at purposes in your life in a bad way. And there are tragic consequences. So he writes this. Look at what he says. And you can write this down. When you don't have purpose, God's purpose in your life, listen to me. What will happen is everything seems useless. Ecclesiastic chapter 1 verse 2 says, life is useless all useless. You spend your life working, but what do you do to have the show for it? The world just says the same. In other words, this guy is saying, basically, you go to sleep, you wake up, it's the same thing. Why bother? Why even? It, life is useless. The second thing he says is life is tired. How many are tired sometimes? He says this, the sun rises and goes down. The wind blows round and round and back again. Every river flows into the sea. Then the water returns to where the river began and starts all over again. Everything leads to weariness. When you don't know the purpose of your life, when you're not all in with God, everything seems like a big circle. He said, the water starts here, goes back. The world just going around and around. It seems like an endless cycle. Life seems like a treadmill. It's like you're just going and going, but you're going nowhere. You're using a lot of energy. You're using a lot of uh, uh, force, but your life is making no progress. How many have ever heard the term, life is like a rat race? And you're just kind of running around and around. And, and in fact, you can win the rat race, but you're still a rat. Am I right? 
You can win it. You can say, man, I'm winning it, man, but you're still that rat. You're just running around in circles. Uh, Business Week did a, a, an article, uh, and they found out one of, the, uh, one of the number one answers when people say, how are you doing? A lot of people say, I'm tired. It's like we're in decades of tiredness. Everybody's just tired, right? And so when you don't know your purpose, life seems like it's unfulfilling. When you don't have God's purpose, you're not all in, you're never going to be fulfilled. Ecclesiastic chapter 1 says, no matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No, no matter how much we hear, we're not content. Doesn't matter how many movies, how, many, uh, how much the internet you look at. Doesn't, history merely repeats itself. When you don't see a point to something or you've lost your point, you become antsy, you become restless, uh, all of a sudden everything seems like pointless, everything seems like why are we doing this? Uh, because you've lost your all-in moment with God. Believe it or not, they did a statistic. They say that a person in a lifetime will hit the remote control 325,000 times. You will, the average person in the world looks at a screen, whether it's a phone or uh, a computer, six, six hours and 58 minutes per day. That's the average around the world. Americans, it's seven hours and four minutes a day that you look at a screen, some kind of a screen. We're, we're spending our life looking at things, watching things, uh, and this is why we're so unfulfilled. The last thing I would say is life seems insignificant when you don't have purpose and you're not all in with God. Ecclesiastics 1.11 says, no one remembers what has happened in the past. No one in days to come will remember what happened between now and then. In other words, uh, your, your life seems to just kind of be going. Uh, there doesn't seem to be real a lot of significance. Uh, your kind of your fame is fading. Uh, how many know people can set a record today, but in a few years from now, it'll be broken? And you, you may be famous today. You can go from hero to zero in, uh, in just a matter of weeks. Am I right? And uh, people, you, you want to be remembered, but I'm going to tell you, as decades go by, people don't even remember you anymore. You know what's really humbling? When you go to a class reunion, right? And, and all the heroes are zeros, right? And all these guys that were this and that, and all these people were this and that, you know, aren't, aren't that great. Everybody's getting fat. Everybody's gone bald. Am I right? And that's just the women, and we're not even talking about the guys, right? I mean, regard, okay, but regardless, you know, all of that's happening, and you go to the classroom, and you go, my goodness, you know, this is crazy. So regardless, uh, you're going to be forgotten. I don't know how many, how many here have been to college? You, you've gone to college. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying graduate. A number of you have. And you'll find I've gone on college campuses, and, you know, you see all these names on this building and this name and that name. And, do you, I mean, when you're going to college, do you really even care whose name is on there? Have you ever taken the time to say, oh, let me look up who this person was? You could care less. People are going to forget about you. Because, see, we think all of this thing uh, about life is we're going to be remembered. And I'm going to just tell you, most people are going to forget about you. But God doesn't. Can you say amen? When you don't have purpose and you're not all in with God, things seem like they're uncontrollable. Look at what it says, Ecclesiastic chapter 1, uh, verse number 15. You can't straighten out what is crooked. 
And you can't count on things that aren't there. So have you ever tried to straighten out relationships that you couldn't straighten out? Have you ever tried to straighten out a problem that you really couldn't fix? And there's something you just can't fix. You don't have any control over. There are things today that you don't have any control. How many of you don't have any control over the day you were born, the day you're going to die? You have no control over those things. You have no control on who loves you, who doesn't love you. You can't control who loves you. You can't control how much they love you. He said there are things in life that it's going to seem basically insignificant, uncontrollable. There is a guy by the name of Hugh Moorhead. He was a professor, and he was a graduate student from the University of Chicago. And he began to ask these great minds of his generation back then, and he jotted down these thoughts, and he said, hey, can you guys tell me the meaning of life? What is the purpose and the meaning of life? And he sent out a letter to all these philosophers and all of these scientists during his day. And many of them wrote back this. They said, as far as I can see, there's no purpose in life. Another guy said, I don't know what the meaning of purpose of life is, but it looked like if there's something met by it. Another guy said, I'm afraid I have no concrete ideals of the purpose of life. One other person said, there is no meaning to life. So this is tragic. When you think about the great minds back then, and these great philosophers, they could not answer the question of what is the purpose of life. And so it's no accident that we're living in a day today, especially in our culture, where people are turning their backs on God because they don't understand the purpose. They don't understand the meaning. And when you remove God out of the picture, we're just a bunch of cells and a bunch of slime that are talking. Am I right? When we think about it, just think about this. They say that the leading cause... Even in teenagers today, the leading cause, number one cause of teenage deaths is accidents. I'll tell you the number two, accidents. I begin to look at accidents. What do you mean? They said that 30% of teenagers in children's death result in unintentional injury. Some by motor vehicles, drug poisoning, unintentional drowning, uh, transportation, and accidental discharge of a firearm. They said 50% of accidents uh, or car accidents uh, that happened to teenagers involved them not wearing a seatbelt because they, they want to be cool and they don't, you know, they don't want it's uncomfortable. Uh, texting while driving, and many of them driving with another teenager that's texting and driving. And then 40% is alcohol consumption. They're driving with someone that's drinking. The second biggest killer of teenagers today is suicide. And they basically don't understand or don't have any purpose. They don't realize why God created them. And so they basically have lost their purpose. The second highest death rate in teenagers is suicide. And so this is why it's important that people begin to know early on in life that God has the purpose for you. That if you'll go all in with God, you'll discover your purpose in life. Can you say amen? Think about this. Scientists tell us that we were just a blob of cells, that we came from nowhere, and we were created, or we kind of just evolved. And then they want to tell you today, but you're significant right now. 
How is it that I'm significant right now, but I came from nowhere, created from nowhere, and yet I'm significant, and then when I die, I go nowhere? I want you to, I want you to know that it doesn't make any sense that you were created by a creator with a purpose and a design. Can you say amen? And there is purpose for your life. So this is what happens. When we're not all in with God, we begin to create our own purpose. And what I'm saying, what I mean by that is, is you'll talk to people and you'll say, hey, man, how's it going? I'm, I'm just surviving, man. I'm just living. And they got this survivalist perspective that they're just living to live and just stay alive. And, you know, I'm just, you know, just trying to find my way. And basically they're creating their own Purpose. They want to, uh, other people say, well, you know, I, I, I'm trying to discover who I am. And we'll hear this many times from people, and it's not a, a philosophy, uh, uh, a philly, what is it? It's not a philosophy term, but they'll say, I'm into politics. I'm into sports. I'm into redecorating my house. I'm into collecting certain things. I'm into making money. I'm into my kids. And what they're doing is, when you talk to these people, they're trying to create a purpose in their life. I'm into this. I'm into that. See, because you don't know no purpose, that's why you're into all of this. You have no purpose in your life. You have no meaning. So you're finding meaning from all these different things. You're not finding the meaning that God created you for. Somebody say amen. You were made by God. Listen to me. You were made by God. He wired you to have something in the center of your life. It's supposed to be God. But you're feeling it with other things. You begin to feel it with this thing. It's called an addiction. You started getting addicted to hobbies. You started getting addicted to money. You start getting addicted and obsessed with uh, sports and sexual relationships. You get all of these things. You're trying to fill your life. You want these things to be the center of your life. And you don't realize that God needs to be the center of your life. The second alternative is when we realize that, uh, uh, that there is no purpose in life, then we kind of start inventing like, well, I'm just going to live my life for pleasure. I'm going to live my life just to have fun. How many know you got responsibilities? And sometimes all that fun can get you in trouble, am I right? Especially the illegal fun, right? There's legal fun you can have and go to Disneyland, have a great time, do all that. But, but then what happens is we start getting illegal fun. You start trying to get something that, that's going to uh, mask the pain and mask the emptiness. And you begin to fill yourself with drugs or you fill yourself with all of these things. But can I tell you, when you're all in with God, man, you begin to turn to the Word of God. And the Word of God begins to be the answer and the purpose of your life. Hallelujah. So what is God's purpose for you? Let me show you right here, Ephesians chapter 1. And this is why we need to be all in with God. It says, long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. Now listen to what it said, that God was thinking about you before he even created the world. That God had you on his mind. Before he even created all the world, God already was thinking about you. And then it says this, his unchanging plan, or his purpose, you can say, has always been to adopt us into his own family by what? By sending Jesus to die for us. 
So here's what God's saying. God made you and created you so you can be part of his family. It's not an accident that God created the church. It's not an accident that he created community because he's adopting you into his family. He wants to have relationship with you. Uh, This is the whole goal of life today is you can have a relationship with God. And when he becomes the center of your life, he begins to fulfill that emptiness. He begins to give you meaning and purpose. Uh, He begins to show you what he has. And what God has for you is more abundant. It's the fulfilled life. Can you say amen? You're not just here to make money. You're not just here to eat and go to sleep and then retire and die. That doesn't, that's not the meaning of life. There's a lot of people, that's all they think. I'm just here, eat, make money, sleep, retire, and die. That's not, that, that, man, that's meaningless. God's saying he wants you to be part of his family. He wants to adopt you into his family. Now you would be saying, well, isn't everybody part of the family of God? And I'm here to tell you, no. Isn't everybody a child of God? No. Everybody's created by God. Everybody's loved by God, but not everybody's a child of God. You become a child of God when you say, God, I want to be part of your family. I I want you to be my father. And you become adopted into his family. How? When you put your trust and your faith in him. When you say, God, I surrender my life to you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 says, this is his purpose. When the time is right, he will gather us all together to be with Christ Forever. Now, here's the wonderful thing. At some point in life, after we die, there is an afterlife. Can you say amen? And when you're all in, the Bible says we're gathered together. He's looking today. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is not a circle of life where you, where you live your life and then you die and you come back like a dog or you come back as a tree. It doesn't work that way. There's an eternity. You're going to face the Lord one day. And there's an afterlife. And let me just tell you, life is not moving in a circle. Life is moving in a linear direction. It's moving toward eternity. And we have to find out, we have to discover, no matter what we think about life, there is an eternity. Look at what it says, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has planted eternity in human heart. You were made for eternity. All of us were made for eternity. There's two things that will never pass away. The Bible says his word will never pass away and you will never pass away. We're going to live forever in one place or another, heaven or hell, in the presence of God or out of the presence of God. Are you with me? When you die, this body dies, but you're not going to die. You're going to live forever. And so the goal today is that since I know I'm going to live forever, then I need to live my life right. So I could be prepared for eternity. Am I right? Because the average person will probably live 65, 70 years old. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll get into your 90s. I'm not trying to wish death on anyone, but all of us, all of us at one point are going to die. Am I right? And wouldn't it be a shame if you're unprepared to die? If you're ill-prepared? Because one day we are. And this is why, this is kind of like, this life is kind of a dress rehearsal for eternity. It's getting you ready. 
When you begin to realize your purpose in life, you begin to say, man, this life is only preparing me for eternity. I've got to get my life right with God. I've got to get my heart right with God. This is why, number one, the number one thing, if you're going to be all in, you've got to get to know Jesus Christ. You've got to get to know the Lord as your Savior, not only your Savior, but as Lord of your life. The Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse 12, to all who receive him, Christ give them the right to become children of God. How do you establish this relationship with God? How do you establish this communication with God and this fellowship with God? Well, the number one, just like any relationship, if you're going to build a relationship with someone, you have to spend time with that person. How many know if you get married or before you get married to your wife, before you make that commitment and then even after you made that commitment, you got to spend time with that husband and with that wife. And the more you spend time with them, then you begin to talk with them. And then you begin to listen to each other, right? Then you see each other in all kinds of different situations. Am I right? Husband and wife, you know what I'm talking about. And how you respond to those situations. And there's forgiveness and there's love and there's grace, right? And you develop this relationship. It's the same thing with God. When you're walking with God, you're going to be in different situations in your life. Your faith will be tested, right? A faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. You've been hearing that, right? And you're going to walk with God, and there's times that you're going to have different things that are happening. That's why we come to church. This is why we read the Word of God. This is why we worship God. It deepens our relationship with the Lord. Hopefully, you're coming to church. You're not playing church, but it's deepening your faith. It's renewing your faith. You're spending time in the presence of God. It's deepening your relationship with God. But how many know you've got, you've got to spend your own personal time with God? You've got to have some personal devotion with God. You've got to have some time where you're talking to God on your own, where you're reading the Bible on your own. See, some of us, can I just preach this morning? Some of us are still sitting on the fence. And it's time to get all in. It's time to say, hey, man, I need, I need to surrender everything. See, the reason why you haven't discovered your purpose in God is because you're, you're sitting on the fence. You're, you haven't dived in yet. You're, you're, the pool's right there, but you're still dipping your toes in it. And God said, you got to dive in. How many have ever done that when you're in a pool and somebody says, well, I'm just saying, bro, just jump in. Just jump in, dude. Come on. And finally, somebody has to push you in, right? You got get, to get in, you know, and you're running around the pool. Anyway, that's a different story. But what I'm saying to you is you got to jump all in. The only way we could really be all in with God, if you got to view your life in, you got to view your time in, in, in through eternity, view it through eternity. Look at what it says, Colossians chapter, I got to use my time in view of eternity. Colossians chapter four, verse five, use your time in the best way that you can't. Time is the most precious resource. How many know time is more than money? It's worth more than money. When you think about your time, there's only an allotted time that we have. We don't, reality, none of us know how much time we have. But think about it. You can't borrow time. You can't buy time. You can't save time. You can't extend time. Am I right? All of us have the same amount of time. And if you don't learn to manage your time right, you're not going to manage your life right. 
And when you don't manage your life right, then basically you're going to lose your purpose. And God is watching. Listen to me. God is watching how you manage your time. And the strategy of the devil is to get you busy doing unimportant things that are not going to matter in eternity. Now, there's things we got to do. There's business we have to take care of. There's jobs that we have to work. There's responsibilities that we have to fulfill. But, friend, that's not going to prepare you for eternity, right? What's going to prepare you with eternity is what are you doing with your life? Where are your commitment? See, see a lot of us think well, Satan is trying to get us to do wrong, always trying to get us to do bad. Can I tell you, sometimes the devil's more trying to get you busy doing the wrong things. Investing your time in the wrong place. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. You've got to learn what your assignment is. What, what is God's assignment for your life? What is he asking you to do? Because what you do is going to count for eternity. Can you say amen? Number three, if I'm going to be all in, I've got to use my talent and my ability in view of eternity. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Use every part of your body to give glory back to God. Now, let me, let me just say something to you. Many of us have this misconception that heaven, what we're going to do in heaven is we're going to be walking on clouds and eating donuts and, you know, playing harps. You're not going to play a harp. If you're not playing a harp here, you're not playing a harp there. Okay, you're not going to play harp and kicking back and wear these white robes and all that. That's a misconception. I'm going to be an angel. No, an angel is an angel, the person is the person. You're not going to become an angel. Um, you know, I hate to break your heart. You know, God needed another angel, so they took my mom. No, your mom's not an angel. Amen. She's a person. Okay? I'm not saying she's not a great person, but I'm just saying she's not an angel. And God doesn't turn us into angel. And an angel is an angel. People are people. Am I right? So what are we going to do in heaven? The Bible says we're going to be kings and priests in eternity. That we're going to be, we, we're going to have responsibility in eternity, that we're going to be serving in some kind of capacity in eternity. And think about that. The Bible even says we're going to be judging angels. I don't know how all that's going to work. All I know is that God's preparing me to serve here so I can serve there. Can you say amen? And I've got to invest my time and I've got to invest my heart and my talent in the way that God wants me to do it. We can't say, well, I'm going to just sit on the bench here on earth and then I'll, then I'll get off the bench there. Honey, if you're not off the bench here, you're not going to get off the bench there. Are you hearing me? You got to get busy right now. What are you doing to develop your service for God? What are you doing for, how are you investing your talent? Because two things you're going to take in eternity. You're going to take your skill, what you're doing here, and you're going to take your character, your attitude. And God's going to use that skill and that talent for eternity. And you're developing it right here, right now. Uh, you're, you're developing a, a, an attitude of humility. You're uh, developing an attitude of love. You're developing an attitude of service in the kingdom of God. I don't know how people want to go to heaven, but yet they don't want to serve God here. Amen. We're saying God wants you to serve him. God wants you to discover his purpose. I was thinking about the, um, 
The tomb of the unknown soldier. How many are familiar? How many have ever heard of the tomb? I've been there. Maybe you've been there. I don't know if anyone's ever been there before. And uh, I was, I, 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 they guard this thing 24-7. I think it goes all the way back to the early 1930s or something uh, that they begin to guard this tomb. And the reason why they guard this tomb is there are soldiers in this tomb that uh, they don't have their identity. They represent World War I, World War I, World War II, and then I think it's the Korean War. And they have these three soldiers in there. They don't know their identity, but they represent all of these soldiers that have died and weren't able to be identified. And, uh, you know, decades ago, people would just walk on this tomb and, and kind of would desecrate it. So they began to say, we're going to guard this tomb. This is a sacred tomb. And so they guard this tomb 24-7. The reason why I bring that up is there's some requirements from this, these guards that I thought was very unique. I said, my goodness, I never thought about this. But there's a certain, uh, they, they can't, they, they, they have a waist size, cannot exceed 30 so I'm almost there. No, I can't. I'm going to say because 30 inches. You, it, this is what disqualifies me right here. You have to be 5'10 to 6'4. I'm done already. <laughs> but here's the other requirement. You must commit two years of your life to guard the tomb. You must live in the barracks under the tomb. And listen to this. You cannot drink alcohol on duty or out of duty for the rest of your life. You cannot swear in public for the rest of your life. And you cannot disgrace the uniform in any way outside after for the rest of your life or your name and number will be removed. I begin to think about that. I said, man, these guys are not just committed for that moment, but they're committed for the rest of their life. That they can't do all of these things. And I'm thinking, man, these guys have learned and they'll take four to five hours taking care of their uniform. It has to be spotless. It's got to be ironed. Everything has to be ironed. Every part of their equipment has to be clean. They'll take four to five hours just shining their shoes. I'll tell you, I took like, I don't even think I took two minutes today to shine these shoes. <laughs> four to five hours. I mean, how, how glossy do those shoes need to be? And, you, and when you watch them, I mean, it's just like almost perfection of how they go back and forth, 21 steps. And everything they do represents something in guarding. I'm just thinking these guys have committed themselves to serve and to guard this tomb and have, have been, they're all in, not only for that moment, but for the rest of their life. How much more, listen to me, as believers, should we be all in, soldiers for Jesus Christ, that I'm all in. I'm all in. All right, I'm preaching better than you're clapping, but that's all right. And then we got, we got to use, listen to me, when we're all in, we got to use our treasure, the possessions that we have, in view of eternity. See, God gives you finances. He gives you resources, not just to spend on yourself, but to invest it in the kingdom of God. God had blessed us financially. God had given you resources uh, for eternity because what you give here will count in heaven. Believe it or not, the investment that you make right here, in eter right here in this earth will count in eternity. There's going to be a great exchange. Are you hearing me? There's going to be a great exchange that's going to happen. Think about it. That all of us here at some point, you know, you've heard, you hear this term where, hey, this person has terminal cancer. 
This person has a terminal illness. But in reality, I think we're all terminal. Am I right? We just don't know when we're going to die. But we're all going to die. And at some point, we're going to give account for what we did with what God gave us. What did we do with what God gave us? Where did we invest it in? Look at what it says here about storing your treasure in heaven. First Timothy chapter 6. Use your money, what? To do good. Always being ready to share whatever God has given you. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourself in eternity. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And you will be living a fruitful life down here as well. Think about that. There's going to be a great exchange. In other words, what you're giving here will be an exchange in heaven. It counts in heaven. It's almost like if you've ever gone through a foreign, to a foreign country and it's time to exchange your currency for that, the American dollar. If you go to, uh, to England, I've been there before, and you've got to turn in your money and then you get a return for what it is. They, you turn the dollar and they'll give you a pound. And unfortunately, when you go turn your dollar in, your dollar is not worth as much as the pound. You actually lose money. I'm just being honest. And I remember I, I went to Africa. Well, I went to England first, then I went to Africa. And I went to England because we had a church there. We were preaching there, and we ministered there for a few days. And then we were on our way to Africa, but we told the guy, hey, we're going to our plane land in Africa anyway. We can stay a few days, preach for you, minister for you, and then we can go on to Africa. And I think we stood there four days. We exchanged, man, England was expensive, man. I'm thinking, man, I was losing money every day. I'm thinking, my dollar has, it, it's like, it was like 70% uh, of, of, of the pound. I don't know what it is now, but I remember I was losing money. And then what happened when I exchanged it, and I got the, these, these pounds back, I still had some pounds left, okay? And I went over to Africa, and man, the pound was a lot more than the American dollar. So I felt like I got my money back. Maybe it all worked out, but I felt like, man, I don't, I don't remember what they give you. That. I forget the name of the money in Kenya, but then all of a sudden, man, I gave them a pound, and they gave me this. I gave them a dollar. It wasn't as much, and I began to realize, man, the exchange rate is a lot better in England. Can I tell you what you invest for the kingdom of God? The exchange rate is a lot better than you get here. I said the exchange rate is a lot better. Think about this. Everything that you give, the lives that are going to be touched by your investment right here. How many people have gotten saved? How many lives have been transformed because you've given something? Luke 16, 9 says this. Use worldly wealth to make friends who will welcome you into eternal dwellings. Could it be that the investment that we make here on earth that maybe somebody around the world or somebody gets touched because you gave to this church and that guy came to this church. Could it be in eternity that that guy says, hey, man, because you gave, I got saved. I, because you gave the church planting, I got saved in Texas because you invest. Could it be? I mean, it's possible. It's possible that maybe we're going to be thanked by people. We're going to be thanked because you helped that missionary and that person got saved in that country because you made an investment. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to make an investment. We're going we're gonna to do a special offering for our conference because we want to touch more lives. Somebody clap. Come on. We're going we're gonna to do that. 
And we're making an investment because we want to reach souls for the kingdom of God. We want to be all in to what God is doing. We want to be all in in our time. We want to be all in with our talent. And we want to be all in with our treasure. If you're going to live for the here and now, I'm telling you, you know what that, you know what that means when you say, I want to just live for here and now. That's called secularism. Comes from the Latin word seculum, which means living for the here and now. I don't want to be a secular person. I want to be living for eternity. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and, all his, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added onto you. I'm, I'm a kingdom-minded person. I think about the kingdom. I, I invest in driving a car because I, I need to drive. I, I, can't, I don't have wings. I got to drive. I, I, I invest in, okay, I got to buy a home or I got to rent a home. However, just because I got to live there. But my heart is in eternity. I'm thinking about people. I'm thinking about souls. Every day I think about it. I think about people. I think about lives. I think about the impact that we're making at the church. I'm thinking about the churches that we planted. I'm thinking about eternity. I'm all in. Now, I told you guys this a long time ago. When I got saved and I gave my life to Jesus, I said, Lord, I'm never going back. I'm all in from this day forward. I was 16 years old. And I said, I'm all in, man. I am all in, God. Remember, I went back to high school, started talking to my friends. They go, man, you're crazy. You're a nut. And I said, I'm all in, dude. I'm just telling you. I'm never going back. They go, oh, man, you'll be back. You'll be partying with us. You're going you're gonna to come all back. Well, here we are. <laughs> all these years later, and I'm still serving God. I'm still all in. And I'm not special. I'm just a person like you. I just made a decision that I was going to be all in. And no one, nobody is going to affect that decision. You need to be all in for God. You don't know what real living is until you're all in. If you're still on the fence, you'll never experience what God has for you. If you're still on the fence, if you're half in, half out, that's why you'll never experience the purpose and the assignment God has for your life. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never be satisfied because you're half in here and half. You got to get all in with God. Can I tell you, Jesus was all in for you. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.